everybody! Welcome to another episode of Different Shades of Queer. It's your host, Sara. And today we have a really exciting guest, Amor Love. Hi! Hello, hello, hello! <laughs> How are you? I am just fantastic. How about yourself? I'm great. Um, like, it's so warmy here. <laughs> oh a little my God. Bit, it's a little bit muggy, a little bit sticky, but that's I okay. Know. We still operate what we need to do, what we need to do. Okay, so, as you may know, um, we start every episode with a little shout out to a mm. queer um, media person, activist, organization, a book, singer <laughs> basically any queer related um, i love it yeah so do you have anything that you would like to shout out well i would particularly love to give a little love to imprint youth association located here in fredericton um, if you're not aware of those services that they offer, please go check them out. They are a fantastic group, um, educated individuals, compassionate individuals, informed. And I feel that they kind of check off a little box off every one of those. They are definitely a, uh, um, an activist site, pushing a lot of um, headway towards getting um, a lot of these resources that we all so desperately need to be um, accessible for everybody. So um, I'd love to give a little shout out to them and for everything that they do. Yes, amazing. Thanks also to Imprint Youth Organization for because they are making this podcast possible as well. <laughs> it's incredible. So for me today, I'm going to go with a singer again. Like many people most know her, Janelle Monet. Mm. Uh, I just love, 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 love. Um, she has been very open about uh, her sexuality and gender. I just, I appreciate that so much. I am enjoying them a lot. And please go listen to her music. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Music is so fundamental to your health and well-being. Um, it can, uh, you don't have to play an instrument to know the importance. I remember when my grandmother and I would used to go to um, senior citizen um, living residences and, and long-term care facility homes. Um, they would have a piano and I'd bring my fiddle and we would just play music and play music. And no matter what the condition and state of the individual, they would always find some way to acknowledge the music. Whether it was a twitch of a finger, a blink of an eye, a tap of a toe, or if they were able to giving us a beautiful ballad of their own expression, verbalizing their excitement. So I find music is just one of those universal languages that um, no matter where you are from, no matter what you're going through, there is a song and there's a beat and there's a singer, a lyricist, an artist out there that can really touch your, your inner soul. That's, that's amazing. So in today's episode, we will be talking on being a drag queen. Say yes. what? <laughs> I'm so excited. You cannot believe I am blindsided by this topic. Whatever <laughs> could you be meaning? Yeah. Okay, so... Do you want to do a little introduction of yourself? And people, if you're not familiar with who you're listening to and seeing, my goodness gracious, um, my name is Amore Love, and because uh, this world could use a little more love. And yeah. so I, um, I thought that that name needed to be in there twice. I absolutely love trying to be the best that I can be when I am happiest, when I am healthiest. I remember what I do. I remember how I feel. I remember what situations got me there. And I try to recreate that as much as possible. 
So um, paying it forward for me is a big part of being uh, who I am and trying to give resources or at least even simply an expressive platform um, that is uh, usable uh, for different points within society that I feel we need to talk about. So um, Amore was kind of a, a conglomerate blend, as many artists will uh, attend to uh, attest to that when you are a drag artist, whether it's a, you know, a, a house drag artist that doesn't leave and perform, or whether you are performing from venue to venue to venue to venue to venue, or maybe you're just doing it for yourself, filing your friends, um, whatever avenue you're exploring, it's, it's just a freedom and, and individuality uh, experience. It's uh, something that I have absolutely loved every second of. Um, there's been moments, of course, um, <laughs> where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Okay. I'm putting on the wig, patting it on and going, okay, Woosa, you do, you, you're, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna do great. You will not trip and fall this time. You, the wig will not fall all this time. So there's a lot of social anxiety that I still um, kind of deal with, but a more kind of encapsulates me um, into this embodiment of love and self-positivity saying, you got this you got this even if you look like a fool you got this because the confidence will sell anything that you're trying to deliver no matter yeah. what it is um and so if you see somebody confidently walking with an outside uh, appearance that you're maybe not familiar with you're not so much looking at the appearance but wondering how do i get that confident level how do i get to that level right um i'd always see people that walking down and I was like, oh my gosh, I love that dress. I love those heels. I love that outfit, the hair, everything. Yes. And then I was like, what would I be able to do that? Would I ever be able to? And those thoughts would always come into my head. And then finally, two years ago, I was given an opportunity to be able to try drag for the first time. And that was um, a hot mess. I can tell you that much. She barely had no makeup on. Uh, <laughs> the wig was shake and go on the head. Um, there was no padding. The only thing I had on that I still recommend today is a bra. That's it. Um, and I had like a cute dress, of course, but mm -hmm. and a fascinator. But it was that. That was it. It was uh, that was Baby Amore starting off with uh, with it was just unbelievable the transformation. So once I got a little fit, kind of like traveling. Once you do one trip, mm -hmm. you just want to continue. Drags the same way. Once you do one show, you just want to do more. You just want to get more. You just want to see more. You want to do more. Oh, it's just nonstop excitement. That's incredible to know that the first time may be like a little rocky and you're just like starting, but then with time, you just, you build yourself up, right? Like here is a more, oh my God. Crazy what you do with yourself in terms of self-discipline, self-respect and self-love. Um, it's amazing what potential has been just waiting for that opportunity, just waiting quietly. Mm -hmm patiently and will do so until you decide that that's the day you're going to say come on in let's have a tea let's see what's going on that's amazing so because we're talking about being a drag queen and mm -hmm. doing drag um let's talk about what is the art of drag well that is a fantastic question um a definitely multi-layered one much like an onion you'll find um depending on whom you ask um some people go straight to the um uh, history of drag the political movement and what it says about society um so drag has its origins within um an activist 
this potential position, right? And uh, self-advocacy, um, whether it's through human rights, equality, racism, um, segregation. So there's many things that drag started to bubble through and, and really catch fire essentially when people were allowed to be free by themselves and, and using their voice that could better the surrounding community and bettering the surrounding areas, their families, and then themselves. It was definitely a full circle effect. And once people started to figure that out, I mean, RuPaul obviously is one of the pinnacle mm -hmm. leaders in drag right now, um, but definitely um, has been inspired by their own, right? So you got to remember that even the most pinnacle point of drag that you are aware of today in society has their root stage back, right? Um, and so uh, what inspires each person is quite different, um, about as different as the aesthetic appeal of each individual. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what drag is living art. It's an expressive living art. Um, whether it's the hair, the makeup, the outfits, the music that you choose. Um, there is so many layers to drag that when people ask me, how do I get into drag? How do I start drag? I'm like, <laughs> do, do you have a couple hours to chat? Because oh, like, okay. <laughs> I want to make sure that people understand mm. what drag is and what really makes it um, uh, important, how I was uh, received it, right? How I was kind of nurtured over so many years of self-learning, teaching, listening, 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 listening to your, your fellow artists and fellow uh, community members and about what they're going through so that you can channel that and hopefully do something about that. Um, whether it's just simply listening or maybe it's listening and then having resources and an opportunity to make a statement, to make a song decision out of it, um, to really push forward the envelope I was given that opportunity through um, gay conversion therapy, which has been in the news lately, as we do now have a ban on the practice. Um, yeah. There is medical evidence and documents out there, uh, a plethora that, that absolutely scream out that this is an abuse. This is a form of abuse. Mm. It is a, a spiritual, emotional, holistic abuse pattern that is still continuing to many individuals in the Bible Belt regions of our country. Um, when you have religion and the suppression of ideas, values, and beliefs that don't align with theirs, that disconnect isn't just simply a difference of opinions. It becomes very much a physical manifestation of abuse, um, uh, a manifestation of physical, emotional, spiritual, and verbal abuse. It, it becomes a form of torture. Yeah. And so there's still individuals going through this right now. Um, and so I'm really excited to see that and that I use my drag as part of that envelope pushing experience where I do a song, you can't pray the gay away, no matter what your preacher mm -hmm. said. There's no fight in the DNA, you can't pray the gay away. Mm -hmm. And it just really uh, it brings back where Amor came from. Um, I'm born and raised in Perth, Andover, New Brunswick, a small rural area, um, maybe 2,000, 3,000 people, which is quite a bit compared to um, what would be maybe elsewhere. But mm -hmm. um, And for our area, it was still pretty small because there was still a small community spread out. Um, you had Perth, Andover, Arusta, uh, uh, Tobik, First Nations, and then you had Tilly, and then you had a bunch of individual areas all throughout. So a lot of people still held on to the religious values and beliefs. It right. really fuels a lot of their connections um, and their uh, relationships that they have within the community. So being born and raised United Pentecostal definitely showed some issues um, uh, that were going to be experienced down the road for sure. Um, but Amor has really helped me take a hold of what really matters to me, keep it close to me, mm. keep it guarded and close, um, but not let me be sheltered from experiencing the world around me. 
not being sheltered from, from motivating and pushing myself and to be better and to understand more, to ask more questions, to be more um, uh, attentive, more, more uh, therapeutically um, inclined to my health and happiness so that I can share it with others, so that I can have the opportunity to do talks like this or so that I can do songs and, and, and really help try to really help anybody as long as there's one person that I can touch and help even make them laugh when they haven't laughed all day. That's, that's my mission and goal when I do drag. It's, um, it's definitely fun to have creative outlet, but for me to see other people enjoy what I do, the best feeling ever. That's amazing. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, it's really powerful. I relate on um, the topic of conversion therapy. I myself didn't go through it, but I saw people going through it. And the community I was raised in believes in conversion therapy still, which it's a human right violation. It certainly um, is. And I think that we're just now accepting that that isn't okay. Um, we've always known it, but our communities haven't always been forefronted in, in addressing that. Um, yeah. Taking those leaders, those uh, religious leaders aside and saying, this isn't okay. I know you don't physically believe that I am going to make it to heaven. I know you don't physically believe that I am okay, but that is your belief. Exactly. And that's where it stops. That's where that needs to stop. These certain preaching moments and, and deliverance. And I need my, it says in the Bible, the doctrine that we need to deliver souls and bring them in from the world. It also says a lot of other things that you don't follow too. Yeah. Uh, so let's not pick and choose, honey, about what scripture influences your world versus what scripture should be influencing your world. It, they always tell me that you can't pick and choose out of the Bible, but yet they're the biggest individuals and the biggest hypocrites out there that are not following and practicing every guideline, every rule, um, dotting their I's and crossing their T's upon the Holy Word. So there's a lot of ambiguity that I find still exists. And it's my mission, uh, part of my mission to shed light on that and to just see what happens. Um, I can't always guarantee um, success, but I can certainly bring it to the forefront, discuss it more, talk about it more and get people to question what is conversion therapy, looking into it, understanding the damage that it can do and does, and then being more compelled to maybe on their next meeting with their MLA say, what are you doing about conversion therapy? What are you doing about indigenous rights? What are you doing about fresh water in all communities? What are you doing? What are you doing? Yes. Continue those topics or else they become quieted down by the media, everything else comes up, there's new stories, this only airs for a week, and then we forget about it. But just because it's not on CBC doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And just because it's not on Facebook doesn't mean it's not existing. It doesn't mean that it's mm -hmm. not human beings with souls and, and one life, one shot at the dark. Um, it, you know, it's just kind of um, a tragedy to do to just sit there and believe that um, whatever in your world is okay, then that means the world's okay. And so I, I try to pop those bubbles ever so gently, um, more or less not um, destroying their lives, but simply shedding an alternative light, um, saying, you don't have to follow me. You don't have to believe in me. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do anything with me, um, but just simply don't persecute me. And mm -hmm. simply um, pray against my existence. You know, certain just human rights that um, we are still fighting for. So I think drag is, again, started its roots in political movement and the more it's politically inclined. Um, and so I think there's always that passion, that fire, that burning desire inside a drag artist that really just says, 
this is this is something that I want to do with my life. And then through that platform, through that experience, then they can bring forward what really means close to them. And it becomes a very intimate experience when you see drag performers do this. Because it's something from the heart. It's not scripted. It's not memorized. It's not practiced in front of a mirror. It is, um, it is just straight from the heart. And whatever um, it speaks to me potentially could speak to you. So um, that's where Miss Amore and what drag is. I will follow up with what you just say. Like there's so many areas and something that um, it really, it really stands out for me is that it, it seems that drag is so personal and that oh. each person, um, depending who you are, what your purpose, that do you want to communicate through drag is different, right? Oh my goodness, it couldn't be any, you couldn't be any more spot on. Um, each and person it, it creates their own persona, right? Mm -hmm. um, character um, and their own language sometimes even if they want to. It is a full embodiment of artistic ability from head to toe to inside. So they are creating another human being essentially um, they want to portray whether it is some individual that they've always felt that's been inside them and just waiting for an opportunity instead of just Halloween to try it. I know a lot of performers, I started my career in Halloween because that's when I felt comfortable. It's when I felt that society was going to be okay with me doing what I'm doing. So I found that that was one of the biggest marks that I had a lot of work to do. And I'm still working. I'm still growing. Um, there's still boundaries I'm, I'm challenging within myself as drag teaches me. Because each person brings a total different basket of whatever to the table that they have lived, experienced, learned, and grown through. And I think that is the power and the, pot and the, the potential oozing from that to learn and grow and to be a better person in a better community. It's just breathtaking um, because then you have this platform of drag that is bigger than life, larger than life. The big hair, the big makeup, the big earrings, the gorgeous gowns. And through all of that smoke and mirror, you then have a beautiful individual that's still growing and learning and taking those steps with you as you're experiencing watching them do these songs, watching them do what makes them happy. You're really connected to an artistic endeavor that is happening right in front of you. Um, it's much like watching a painter paint a landscape. Um, you're watching every brush stroke. You're watching what colors they choose. You're watching what techniques and watching their body lengths. It's so immersive. It's an artistic expression on stage that is open to interpretation, but delivered by one individual, inspired by many. So it's kind of, oh, what you're going to get, you never know. And that's why I think that everyone should try drag at least once in their life um, or as some form of the same expressive power. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the full regalia, but whatever they are comfortable with. If they want to do the hair, the nails, hair, hips, and heels, go get it. Yes. But if you're more comfortable doing just the makeup or just the earrings, the dress, the hair, you do whatever makes you happy. Mm -hmm. That's what this is all about. Is it's about the expression of uniqueness, individuality, um, and so I, I think that I've found um, something that I'm going to love to do. Uh, for as long as I can and as long as I can paint and willing and able. Yeah, like, wow. It's it's just wonderful that first that you use love and happiness in your drag as like really powerful entities to drive you. Um, but also I'm so impressed with, yes, drag performers, one of like 
the main things is the makeup and how they dress and the acts and singing and dancing or lip singing, sorry. But song, also, yeah. yeah, it's the fact that um, that you're driving activism through it. That's, that's wonderful um, that an art form like this It's just more, it's more than just what happens on stage. Uh, like you're really driving messages that are touching people out there. That's, that's wonderful. That's, that's, it's, it's such an experience that I encourage everybody to be able to um, have, whether it's being a performer or being in the audience, as long as you go to drag performance, um, you will be left changed in some way, shape or form. You may not realize it right away, but <laughs> there's something we just went boop with and we just flicked it right on or flicked it right off. Um, and so I think that that's what um, really drives me to be a drag artist and continues to push me. Because um, again, it can be, um, it's not always about the, the expensive uh, outfits and the gowns. You can, you can, I have a value village thrift store find um that was for $5.99 it is stunning it is gorgeous yeah. I cannot wait to debut it it doesn't have to be designer it doesn't have to be handmade it doesn't have to be um I have my hairs outsourced I can't do my hairs yet so that's still on the works um I can't sew yet still on the works I, I don't hold back on what I can't do. I, I push forward on what I can do. Um, I can work hard. I can gain money at my employment. And then I provide a service to local hairstylists or to local vendors to be able to make my outfits um, or to make a scene without, you know, a positive reinforcement within the community, um, mm -hmm. local buy and sells, um, uh, supporting your local community vendors. Um, uh, eventually I would love to be able to do that myself, but uh, for now I'm perfectly comfortable on um, being able to give somebody who loves drag uh, a potential opportunity to be able to work on something with me um, and together create a beautiful partnership project and new resource uh, within yeah. the community. So maybe I never would have known if I were to be able to um, go from start to finish all on my own. Yeah. Um, drag is a community experience. It's a community endeavor. Um, a lot of people can um, do on their own through YouTube, through practice, through schooling. Um, but I never went to any makeup school. I never went to any hairstylist. I took a little bit of theater um, in, in university. Otherwise, I was a science kid. Um, I was studying to be a, a nurse and I, um, I took um, all my health sciences. So I think that's where a lot of my passion for mental health and advocacy comes from. Mm -hmm. um, being able to understand the right terminology, but also being able to experience it um, firsthand. It, it, it's, it's kind of been my message that if I were able to get out of my depressive state, my uh, suicidal ideations, if I was able to push past them, I promised myself that I would do better. I would do better for my community. I would do better for others around me. Um, and I would, I would use my life for the best that I can whether it's uh, through just being happy and getting to a self-fulfillment uh, spot or to help others on their journey. Um, and so I found something that straddles both quite well. Yeah. Um, it empowers me and gives me the opportunity to grow as an individual, but then as well allows me to be able to spread the love through Miss Amora love. <laughs> so you are saying like drag It's also a place to develop improving yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And also the idea that it's not just you, but 
a community supports you uh, behind the scenes, but also other drag performers. You must be kind of like a family, like a, a common um, experience to go through. Yes. Well, um, family is a good word for it because in the end of the day, um, sometimes you don't love all your family members. Yeah. Sometimes you don't always get along with your family. Yeah. I always tell people in the end of the day, most drag performers are high energy, big personality individuals um, that uh, it takes that kind of inner something to be able to bring and deliver a performance. Mm -hmm. um, some creative aspect about you that makes you unique. And so sometimes you do have a little bit of um, animosity um, mm -hmm. behind there are we're all human we have oh, yeah. um, preferences of who we prefer to hang out with and people who agree or disagree with your values and beliefs because drag is so unique mm -hmm. and so individualized that you're not going to always have support about your drag or what you do or how you speak or how you perform um right. there's always going to be people even within the community um that uh that still don't support and follow and, and encourage, share events that you're in, even if they're not in them. Um, giving shout outs and support, um, verbalizing versus simply just when you meet them, you say hi. Right. There's a difference in that. Um, that one's more, more professional and very kind of like, you know, don't rock the boat, but don't paddle either to try to get to another space. Okay. Um, it's just kind of, you know, I mean, that's been my personal experience, unfortunately, for two years. Um, there has been a, a, a definite um, different group setting. Um, and hearsay around the room, whatever have you, um, in the end of the day, I do respect every single drag performer. Because, okay. right, we, as a family, all experience very similar um, situations. You know, right. what happens when the... When the when the wig maybe doesn't go right or the outfit falls apart or you as an individual has a rough day um because inside we're all human right as yeah. much as whether in the glam is there we're still human on the inside so when the boss yells at you when your friend yells at you when your partner and you have a fight and you have a show that night um so you have to channel some form of energy some coping skills some mechanism and oftentimes it can be your drag family that's there to support you Right. It can be them to encourage you to say, remember that time when you did that show? I love that, this, and you mm -hmm. got this, and don't you worry, we got you. So very much a supportive system. But again, it, it, it's a large misconception and drag that as soon as you are part of the community, you are welcomed with open arms. Um, yeah. Sometimes you have to um, stand your ground. Sometimes you have to love yourself and not wait for anybody else to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a huge learning curve for me. I have social anxiety. I have emotional intensity disorder where I had a huge, um, because of what I went through with my conversion therapy okay. and being a gay child in a um, largely cult-like family experience, um, it warped my mindset. And um, it really had wires crossed for me that I relied on external positive reinforcement to validate who I was. Um, I relied on everyone laughing at my jokes or else I thought I was offensive or, or that I um, now crossed the line or that I shouldn't have said something um, or just wasn't funny. Um, and so I would fixate and, and all of my relationships um, uh, that I had with anybody always seemed to really gravitate around their input, their feedback. Um, but I never had my own voice. Mm -hmm. And so 
um, again, once I came into drag, I had quite a few years of coping skills built up, but there's always that, there's always that exciting moment, right? When you get part of a sorority or group where you're like, Ooh, what's, what's going to be the fun experience that I get. And sometimes it's whatever you make it. If you're, if you're not given an opportunity, well, then you go make one. Um, if you're, if, if there's no availability for drag, well, then you go contact a vendor and you get it set up. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just need to go out and do it. Sometimes you just need to take it uh, the next level if you want it. Um, and sometimes people are ready for that experience. Sometimes people aren't. I found that when Boom closed, I had to make a new way. Um, there was there was no other opportunities uh, that were offered or being offered in the foreseeable future. So what do you do when you love drag and performing? Um, you continue to do it. And mm -hmm. so I outsourced uh, with other drag performers and said, okay, let's contact vendors. Let's contact venues. Let's see what we can't get going on with um, safety and performance during COVID time. And yeah. um, it was definitely something of a new experience, but we did it. And we had sold out shows at least once a month, whether it was in uh, Moncton or Fredericton uh, and, and sometimes both. Uh, so it's been a huge learning experience for me that, um, you know, self-love is so important. It, yeah. it, is, it is critical. Um, and drag allowed me to figure that out and allows me to, uh, to use that and grow. Um, that I um, appreciate any support, but I'm not reliant on it. And there's a huge difference between uh, needing it, but just simply appreciating it and validating it. Um, yeah. say thank you. That's awesome. So nice of you to say. Perfect. Done. Don't need to work about um, anything else deeper than that. Just enjoy the moment, the experience, but know that you've also fostered something for yourself and that you've looked after you and you should be proud of that. You should thank pat you. yourself on the back sometimes and say, yes, me. <laughs> I looked out for me and only me. I took a job that I know is going to make me happy. Um, I moved to a safe space that I know is a safe and B for me. Um, I pursue friendships that I know are fruitful for me, um, that validate who I am, but doesn't hinder me. You know, it's yeah. not always that easy, obviously. Yeah. Definitely have lots of ups and down hills that drag still hasn't shown me the way on, but we're getting there. It's just like any other uh, um, experience. It's, it's growing on me and growing with me. Yeah, that's so important. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the podcast. We hope to see you again this Friday with a part two of this episode. I hope you are enjoying our conversations and what it means to be a drag queen. Thank you, everyone. Bye.